I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Wanted to say just a quick word to thank everyone who supports our work at Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. And remind you, you can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com, a digital subscription where you get all of our sports coverage. That's Kentucky basketball with Jerry Tipton, Kentucky football with Josh Moore. You get our my columns, Mark Story's columns. You get Kentucky recruiting, basketball recruiting with Ben Roberts. You get all of our high school coverage with Jared Peck. $30 for the first year for a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com. Please check that out. Go to Kentucky.com, hit the subscribe button, check out all of our offers. And once again, we thank everyone who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, I'll talk with my usual Sunday guests, my fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. We're going to talk about Kentucky football's 38-35 victory over Vanderbilt yesterday, an emotional victory for Kentucky after the passing of John Schlarman, the offensive line coach who passed away on Thursday after a two-year battle with cancer. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, Matthew Mitchell, who made the surprising announcement Thursday that he was stepping down and retiring as UK women's basketball coach. We'll talk about Matthew's decision uh, and his impact that he's had on the women's basketball program. Mark wrote the story on that. I'll be talking to Mark about that as well. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to it with my conversation with Mark Story, sports columnist for the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest on the podcast is uh, my friend and fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. How you doing on this Sunday, Mark? I'm good, John. Kentucky coming off the win over uh, Vanderbilt 38-35 yesterday. Obviously a very emotional win, a very hard week for Kentucky football with the loss of John Schlarman on Thursday. Uh, several tributes to John yesterday, beginning with the uh, – uh, start of the game where Kentucky took a delay game penalty and left the, a guard spot open because that's the position that John played when he was a Wildcat uh, for UK. Uh, I thought Derek Mason, the Vanderbilt coach, did a classy thing by declining the the penalty on that. Um, well, what was your impression of yesterday, just the game and, and the atmosphere and the scene itself? Well, it was obviously very emotional, and I agree with you. I thought it was really classy of Vanderbilt to decline that penalty and, and participate in, in honoring John Schlarman. And you know, I thought there's, I think, I think it was Susan Lax, the UK sports football publicist, who tweeted out a picture where you could sort of see Landon Young wearing the number 65 standing on the sideline, and you could see kind of the, the gap at left guard where John Schlarman played for Kentucky. And and I thought that was a very 
evocative picture. You know, you know, it was obviously a very emotional thing. And, you know, I, I thought Kentucky would either come out and play super inspired or I thought they would have nothing in the tank at all. And offensively, they obviously uh, they, they rose to the challenge and, and played played very well. I was surprised they had as much trouble defensively as they had. Yeah, that usually, as you say, those things usually go one of two ways. The team is either uh, comes out flat, and you know, which would be very understandable with the week that they've gone through, uh, or as you say, uh, super inspired. Uh, you know, the thing about this, I mean, these kids, these kids have been living with this for two years since the original diagnosis, and obviously. Uh, it became John's prognosis became more grave here in just the last few weeks, as we've talked about the, on this podcast, really. And you wrote about this really. I think it kind of started to hit home with us the, the Tennessee game, uh, the picture that we saw of John after the game when they presented him the game ball, and then he didn't make the trip to Missouri. Uh, so I don't know that it was a surprise on Thursday when it was the announcement was made that John had passed away. But still, to have it come to that end it had to have a tremendous effect on, on on these kids. Yeah, and just you know, college kids in many cases haven't haven't dealt with a lot of right. you know death, a lot of grief, and and even if they were expecting it, there's still the finality when it actually right. happens. Especially somebody that you know up until a month ago was you know still a regular part of the UK football process. Right. So I mean, yeah, it, it was a very I mean a very challenging circumstance to then have to go out basically 48 hours later and play a Southeastern Conference football game. Right, right. And as you said, the offense responded well. Uh, you know, they averaged over eight yards per play. Didn't have it for that many plays for just 55 plays. But a much more balanced attack as far as being effective, both running and passing the ball. Uh, Terry Wilson came back after missing the Georgia game with a wrist injury. I thought he played well. Uh, you wrote about the offensive line. I thought they played well. They rushed for over 300 yards. Uh, to me, that was not that they were going to have that same type of success week after week. But when the season started, I think that's kind of what they were aiming for, a more balanced attack where they were efficient in both aspects of moving the football. Yeah, and I thought, you know, the hit the tight ends for, you know, yeah. had two tight ends catch touchdown passes. And, and that's what I thought they would be able to do, you know, when coming into the season, with, with they could run the ball, you know, like we thought they would and like they did yesterday, that then they would be able to, you know, hit, hit stuff over the middle on play action and stuff. And for whatever reason, that just hadn't been there, but it was right. there yesterday. And admittedly, Vanderbilt is not a great defense. And right. you know, I think Vanderbilt had, I think they had 58 players available. So right. in some ways they had, you know, FCS numbers, but still, you know, it, even if, if you think Vandy is a bad defense, it's still, you, you want your offense to be able to move the ball against a bad defense because it's a really bad sign if you were playing a bad defense and you can't move the ball right <laughs> that's right I think Vandy only had 58 players available last week against Mississippi State Mississippi State I think only had uh 200 and some odd yards some of those was uh was uh sort of um well what's the word i'm looking for uh but they had i think a minus 22 yards rushing because of sacks and mississippi state obviously struggled there no great shakes either but you're right against a bad defense you want to be able to move the ball kentucky did that another big game for chris rodriguez he had a, a career high i think 149 yards he had a 74 yard 
uh, touchdown run. Um, I know they like to use the rotation in the backs with the in the backfield with Chris and AJ Rose and Cavassier Smoke, but Chris, Chris, to me, Chris is really coming on, especially uh, the second part of this season. Yeah, I am at the point where you know I'm obviously not in practice, and you know the coaches, you know they have reasons at times for doing things that maybe aren't apparent to the naked eye, but just. To me, it looks like Rodriguez is at the point where he probably deserves to sort of be the Benny Snell of this operation. Yeah, he looks like Snell. <laughs> he looks more and more like Snell. Uh, yeah, and they yeah. call, there's, a, there's a reason they call him the mini Benny. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, though we were kind of kidding him about that 74-yard run. He showed a burst of speed there. He's supposed to be between the tackles, meat and potatoes guy, but he uh, took off on that 74-yard run. What about the receivers? You mentioned the tight ends. How did you think they looked overall? I thought they were better. Now, it's hard to, you know, right. evaluate. Again, I don't think Vanderbilt is very good defensively, and there still wasn't, you know, they weren't making a lot of sort of game-breaking, you know, explosive plays. But I thought I was, I thought I was encouraged by Demarcus Harris, who, yeah. you know, caught the ball and, you know, you know, was was, you know, caught the balls he should have caught, which you know is progress for right. for what this has been this year. Right, and it's been pretty much Josh Ali, and that's it from receivers. And they spread it around. Several different receivers make catches, so I think that's a step in the right direction. Okay, now let's switch over to the defense. Uh, not, uh, you know, obviously Mark Stoops wasn't very happy with the defense after the game. Gave up 35 points. Uh, couldn't get off the field on third down, uh, which was a problem in the Missouri game. Uh, where is this defense with three games to go? You know, it's really weird. I've been thinking about this. You know. The defense, the first two games, you know, couldn't force any turnovers. You know, I thought they played okay at Auburn, but you know, lost. You know, lost. Got in that shootout with Ole Miss and lost it. Then you have the two games where you know they, all they do is force turnovers. You know, <laughs> right. six interceptions against Mississippi State. You know, two pick sixes at Tennessee. I think they were. You know, they had like ten. Tur- 10 turnovers in two games. And and then the last two games were sort of, you know, I guess the last three games were sort of back. They did force turnovers against Georgia, but you know, I thought Missouri and Vanderbilt, I thought Vandy had gone to school on Missouri, how they played Kentucky. And I thought they did some similar things and, and it really bothered Kentucky. And, and I was surprised they had so much trouble, you know, tackling Vandy running backs. You know, they were always in third and short, which is why, you know, Kentucky gave up so many third down conversions. You know, I don't know. I, they 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 have a hard time against the run, and you know they lost Calvin Taylor and T.J. Carter, and those are big physical guys. They're probably more athletic on the defensive line, but they're not as stout up front, and, and that seems to that is becoming a consistent problem. Yeah, they did get Quentin Bohanna back yesterday, which I thought would help him against the run, but I didn't really see all that difference. DeAndre Square, did he even play at all yesterday? He got in in the fourth quarter. There was a play where he was out in space on a guy, okay. and um, and it looked like the the guy just juked him, and 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 he he didn't look like himself. So then they pulled him out. Yeah. So I mean, I think obviously, I mean, he's one of their better players. Uh, not having him probably for most of the game probably didn't help either. But uh, no, that boy, the third down thing is really perplexing because. Uh, you know, that, that has been a persistent problem, especially these, as you mentioned, you know, it was a killer in the Missouri game. And then yesterday it seemed like third down. And as you mentioned, a lot of them were, they were third and short. So they had them uh, 
Vandy was putting themselves in good position on third down, but still not being able to stop him. I will give Vandy credit. I was impressed with Seals. Ken Seals, their true freshman quarterback. He looks like he's got a chance to be a pretty good player. And before uh, Henry Brooks went out of the game, he's a good hard runner, a sophomore running back. Looks like Vandy's got and they've got a couple of young receivers. They look like they've got the makings of uh, you know of guys who can make plays on offense. So let's give Vandy a little bit a little bit of credit as well. Um, the other thing, of course, that kind of stuck out yesterday is no Max Duffy, no Matt Ruffalo. Uh, we were not told why they were not there, but when Mark Stoops was asked about it after the game, he said, you can read between the lines. I'm assuming that means COVID. We haven't re- that's the first time that I can remember anyway that we have said, okay, where are these guys? And it's probably for COVID. And, uh, and Mark had said earlier in the week that they were missing some assistance and they'd been throwing some curveballs. So I think this is kind of the first uh, feeling that we've gotten that they that COVID has gotten inside the program. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I don't. I wasn't well since nobody said anything. I didn't know whether you know they had the virus or it was a contact tracing right. situation. You know, I will say that I thought the backup kickers did yeah. well. I mean, Chance Four hit, you know, made his extra points. That field goal right before halftime wound up being darned important. It did. <laughs> It did, since it ended up a three-point game. Yes, very much so. And, and, you know, I actually tweeted about this. You know, they had that third and 26, and then Terry Wilson has a 27-yard run on third and 26, and that leads to that field goal, and that wound up, I mean, yeah. I mean, that wound up being the game. Yeah. 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 And then the the punter, Colin Goodfellow, I think he averaged 46 yards. uh, So, you know, hat tip to the backup kickers. Yeah. Did you tweet or somebody tweeted he might be the second best punter in America? Who knows? Uh, (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, but you have to think, I mean, because the kickers, in my experience anyway, the kicker when practice, when we used to be able to go to practice, the kickers and punters always work together. They were always hanging around each other. So you assume if one got it, either the other one has it or he's out because of contract tracing. So I guess we'll wait and see if those guys are available, uh, if uh, Max and and Matt Ruffalo are available uh, next week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, We got a little... uh, Back to the offense for just a minute. We got a little look at Bo Allen. First taste we've seen of Bo Allen, the former Lexington Catholic star who got in. I think he was three of five or something like that passing. What'd you think of Bo? I thought he looked good. And, yeah. You know, I I like high school football, so I go to a fair number of games on Friday nights when we're not in a global pandemic. <laughs> so I went and I watched a good a bit of Bo Allen in high school, and the one thing I'm confident of, he is a really polished pocket passer. And I think you start. I think you know, in a very limited uh, limited uh, sample size, I think you could see some of that. 
Yeah, I think the fact that Mark wanted him wanted to get him in there. They've been the coaches have been raving on him starting in the preseason about uh, you know just his poise, his dedication to the game, what they've seen from him. I think they were very anxious to get him in there at some point, and we're happy to be able to get him in there just to give him a taste and get a look at him. Uh, he, he looks like he's got a bright future, uh, no doubt about that. Uh, but the future for Kentucky right now is a little bit unsettled. They're supposed to play Alabama on Saturday down in Tuscaloosa. The SEC made an announcement on Friday that they are they're going to reserve the right to kind of play around with the schedule to try to get a complete season and to try to get more of an equitable season uh, uh, going into the uh, for the championship game, which they've. Uh, and part of the problem is the Alabama LSU game was canceled, was postponed or canceled, but they're going to have a hard time fitting that in the way the schedule is now because LSU is scheduled to play on December 12th against Florida. Uh, as you mentioned, there was some talk, uh, as we were talking before we started on here, that they might flip the game on Saturday and Kentucky might end up playing Arkansas with Alabama playing LSU. Is that what they were talking about on the radio? Well, that was sort of the scuttlebutt, but, you know, who knows? I'm I, I'm not, I'm unclear on this. Uh, I I guess uh, we're going to assume Kentucky's playing Alabama until we hear differently. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I assume. I thought what I'd heard was that the November 21st games were pr- pretty much going to be left intact, uh, and then after that, the SEC might st- they might start monkeying around with the schedule. Uh, because part of the problem is if Texas A&M goes on it, right now, is the way it stands, Texas A&M could end up with one more game than Alabama, and uh, obviously they don't. You know how are you going to do that? Even though Alabama beat Texas A&M, what if A&M finishes with one more game? What if they're eight and one and Alabama seven and one, or nine and one and eight and one? Well, how are you going to decide that in Texas? So uh, we'll see. Let's go on the assumption they're playing Alabama. Obviously, Alabama is the number one team in the country. Obviously, a very tall task for Kentucky. Uh, when they go down there, and also Alabama's quarterback, he has sort of a Kentucky connection, correct? That is correct. In 2015, Mac Jones, uh, then a Jacksonville, Florida high school uh, quarterback, committed to Shannon Dawson, the UK offensive coordinator, and that commitment held for a while, even after Kentucky and Shannon Dawson parted ways, and the new offensive coaching staff with Darren Henshaw and Eddie Grant was in place. But then in 2016, I believe it was then Alabama assistant Lane Kiffin that right. played a big role in flipping Mac's commitment from uh, Kentucky to Alabama. And I had forgotten this, but I was doing some research, and there was some kind of, you know, Henshaw tweeted something that Mac Jones thought. Yeah, Mac Jones thought was kind of a sh- throwing shade at him. So that was kind of a mini controversy at the time of the decommitment. Right. Right. Yeah. If I remember right, Darren didn't react too well to that. Uh, he, I think he let the emotions get the bad. If I remember right, I think Darren had to end up. He ended up sort of apologizing for that. Uh, but yeah, I can remember. It's funny because uh, I knew someone at, uh, or. Uh, just by happenstance, who was from the same area as Mac Jones. And he had said all along, if if Alabama uh, offers, you know, Kentucky's going to have a hard time holding on to him. And that's basically what ended up happening. But Jones has had a tremendous year. I mean, he's, I would say, he's certainly in the hunt for the Heisman. He might even be the front runner for the Heisman. He's definitely going to be a tall task for uh, that Kentucky defense next week if he continues to play like he's been playing. Yeah, he he has had a tremendous year. And, you know, it's funny, at the time of the decommitment, there were a lot of jilted U.K. fans. Well, you know, you're never going to play there. You're going to, you know, at the time they had Jalen Hurts, and he was in the same class with Tua coming in. And, 
right. and, and boy, you know, he stuck it out and he, uh, he's really played well. Yeah, he really has. He, you know, after Tua got hurt last year, he subbed for Tua and actually played pretty well, although they lost a couple of games or lost, they lost the Auburn game. Uh, but at, they brought in a new, another true freshman quarterback for this year. And I think the assumption at Alabama, or a lot of people at Alabama thought that Mac Jones would be beaten out by the true freshman, but he didn't. He held on to the job and he's played really well. I mean, they're just monsters on offense. They've got so many weapons. Steve Sarkeesian's done a great job as the offensive coordinator. I mean, they're just, they're just really, you know, really tough to stop. Um, defensively, they are really for the past couple of years, they haven't been exactly what you would think of a Nick Saban's defense, but then part of this year, I'm not sure you can judge that because everybody is just score. It's ridiculous. These scores. I watched Florida, Arkansas last night. It was 63, 35. I flip over to see what the score of the South Carolina Ole Miss game was. And it seemed like every time I flipped over, they'd scored two or three or more touchdowns. Uh, so it does. I don't know that there is a really good defense in the SEC this year, the way these offenses are playing. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And, and you know, I watched a good bit of that Ole Miss-South Carolina game, and, and they just nobody could stop anybody. It was yeah. kind of incredible. Did you see Lane Kiffin toss the clipboard on the – I did. I was, watch, I was watching that live. And, uh, <laughs> I wasn't uh, watching it, was, it live, but Twitter exploded shortly after that. I don't know that. Yeah, you, it was, it, you were watching that live thinking this is going to become a gigantic Twitter moment. <laughs> And it was, it definitely was. So do we give Kentucky any hope in going to Tuscaloosa? Is there any scenario you see where Kentucky might actually be able to pull off the upset? You know, this is the third game this year where the the schedule has changed in such a way. You know, I don't think Kentucky had much chance anyway, but under the original schedule, you were getting Alabama the week after they played LSU and the week before they played Auburn. So I thought Kentucky, you know, before the year, I would have thought it was kind of a trap game for Alabama. You know, now you're getting yet another game, you know, where Kentucky is playing a team that's had, had the week off. That'll be the third time in the last four games that, you know, Kentucky's faced that scenario. And, and look, you know, we're in a pandemic and everybody understands that this is an unusual situation. But, you know, Kentucky has sort of drawn the short straw on this, uh, you know, yeah. pretty pretty consistently here in this, this segment of the season. Yeah, I don't know what Mitch did to make Greg Sankey mad, but anyway, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Mitch. Uh Okay, so let's switch here uh, before I let you go, Mark. Let's let's talk about Matthew Mitchell. Uh, surprise announcement on Thursday, Thursday night that Matthew was stepping down. He's retiring as UK women's basketball coach. Obviously, uh, as has been documented, Matthew uh, fell while hiking on a family vacation, suffered a head injury, had persistent headaches after that, and had to undergo surgery in June. Uh, in reading Matthew's statement and kind of what you hear, and then there was a press conference Friday with Mitch Barnhart and Kyra Elsey, who's now the interim coach. And Mitch kept talking about that in his discussions with Matthew. Matthew didn't he just couldn't get back to where he felt comfortable in doing the job. Uh, I think it was frustrated kind of by the progress that he, uh, the slow recovery progress since, uh, since his surgery. But obviously, it's a you know a big loss and a very I mean an, an unexpected one. I don't think anybody thought uh, anybody saw this coming unless you were on the inside and had privy to what was going on in the conversations between Matthew and Mitch. But uh, your reaction, you wrote about it. Your reaction to what happened on Thursday. Well, I was very surprised, uh, just the timing of it, if nothing else. And just, you know, I I obviously, you know, the after the brain surgery and, you know, 
the, the word was was that you know the, the recovery it was much slower than you know Matthew had expected and presumably Matthew's you know I don't well that just had been much slower than right. he had, he was he had been led to expect you know it wasn't clear to me in terms of what was said if he was stepping down you know because his you know physical reasons or whether he just he just his priorities had changed and he, his, he right. just didn't have his heart into it you know that kind of stuff you know that that is really not clear to me at this point but you know it's it's amazing that a coach would you know walk away from two more years of coaching ryan howard yeah. arguably the best player in the country and you know on paper this should have been one of his best teams you know they went through that that you know situation where they had the massive player defections and that happens in women's basketball it happens right. to somebody pretty much every year it happened at auburn just this this after last season and usually coaches don't survive it but matthew had he had dug out of it stuck it out you know, they were able to recruit Ryan Howard and now you know they've been able to add you know players around her you know they're they've they're they're going to be tall you know it's this isn't going to be your typical short Kentucky you know team so you know he had done he had gotten the program pretty much back to where it was so yeah it was a re- it's really surprising a really surprising development and, and during the press conference on Friday Mitch was asked about you know why wasn't you know uh, couldn't Matthew have taken like a leave of absence for a year or something like that? But Mitch said he was very resolute that he that was the word Mitch kept using that, that he wanted to do this and he wanted to retire. Uh, so and, and I think overall just a tough loss for the program. I think Matthew did a great job. I thought he was a perfect guy in that position. There, to me, there's always been no excuse for why Kentucky wasn't better in women's basketball. They went through a, a really long period there where they just were not much of a factor in women's basketball. As much as Kentuckians love and support basketball there's really no excuse for him to to not have a good women's basketball program Matthew had great personality the fans loved him uh you know just just the impact that he had on the program I know some people complain they couldn't get over the hump and get to the final four but to go to three elite eights is certainly a great accomplishment you know I think overall it's just a tough loss and uh and uh, I think we should appreciate the job that Matthew did for the women's basketball program yeah there's no question Kentucky had was pretty irrelevant and and that started to change when you know i think when mitch barnhart came and you know with his background at tennessee i think he had a better idea of what needed to be done for a program to be nationally relevant so they put resources into it and you know he hired mickey demoss who you know left tennessee to come here which i think you know sort of showed people that there was a lot of upside here you know she brought matthew in as an assistant and then when she left you know matthew had gone to moorhead state for two years as their head coach and and then kentucky harding back and 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 matthew got them to a very high level i mean they've been a you know, other than, you know, the, the, the one year where things sort of got away, they've been, you know, a pretty consistent top 10, top 15 kind of team. You know, I do think there's still, you know, more that can be done at Kentucky. If you can go to Final Fours at Mississippi State and Louisville or win national championships at South Carolina, I think you can do all that at Kentucky. But, you know, that program is 100, 100% better than it was, you know, when Matthew and Mickey DeMoss came here. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Absolutely. So uh, best wishes to Matthew uh, and whatever comes next for him. I know he, he wants to spend more time with his family and so forth. So certainly best best wishes to Matthew and good luck to Kyra Elsie, who steps in as the interim coach uh, for Kentucky basketball. And as for football, we don't we we're going to go under the assumption that Kentucky will play at number one Alabama on Saturday. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage leading up to the game. Uh, be sure and follow Mark at on Twitter at Mark C story. Be sure and look for his matchups later in the week and his prediction uh, on the Kentucky Alabama game. Anything else before I let you go, Mark? I think we're good, John. Well, I appreciate as always being on the podcast. Have a, have a good rest of your Sunday. Thanks, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story. Check out Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check out his columns on Kentucky.com or in the print edition of the Lexington Herald Leader. Thanks to everyone who listens to these podcasts. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. We appreciate everyone who has done that. That really helps get the word out about the podcast. We appreciate it. As I said, we really appreciate everybody who's been listening to these podcasts. It really means a lot to us. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at jclay at herald-leader.com. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Thanks again to Mark Story, and we'll be talking to you again soon.